Welcome to another Emerging Cricket Podcast Men's T20 World Cup Team Preview Special. Coming up, we discuss Oman and their chances at the tournament. A reminder that we're still releasing the weekly show wherever you are listening to the pod, so don't miss those. And our content continues to roll on EmergingCricket.com. Finally, join the many who have joined us on Patreon. From as little as $2 a month, you can help us grow the game outside its traditional centres. For more, log on to Patreon.com forward slash Emerging Cricket. But for now, enjoy another World Cup Team Preview. We're here for another T20 World Cup team preview. Today, we tackle Oman and everything going around with that. New co-hosts of the tournament as well, which we will discuss uh, a little bit more in detail and a special guest joining us. I am with Nick Skinner, one of the regular members of the EC pod. Say good day, Nick. Hello, all. We've got Nishad Rego, one of our key contributors here at Emerging Cricket. He has kept up with a lot of Omani cricket over the last 12 to 24 months, especially with regards to the T20 World Cup coming up. Nishad, welcome to the discussion today. Hi, fellas. Always good to be here. Let's start with the announcement that was made a few months back that Oman would be co-hosts of this tournament, Nishad. And thinking about... India at first actually taking the World Cup off Australia. Taking is probably too strong of a word. But India to have the World Cup only for COVID to be rampant again. Pivoting once again to UAE and Oman. Oman will host the entire entirety of Group B, which means all Oman games are at home. We'll go through those fixtures in a couple of moments. But what's the significance to you of Oman actually having a partial host of this tournament? And what do you think they will bring as hosts for this upcoming event? Yeah, well, it was a, it's, it's one of those uh, strange silver linings to come out of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the Amirat ground was accredited for test matches um, early in 2020, only the fourth venue uh, uh, outside of full member countries to be, be accredited as such, and only the first outside of the UAE. So a huge, a huge... Um, confident a sign of confidence in Oman cricket um, and then clearly um, uh, Oman cricket did well to uh, influence um, the ICC in, in, in becoming the co-hosts um, and it's a huge 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 honor I'm sure for them and um, something that should really uh, buoy the players on um, uh, in the tournament itself and, and give them an advantage. Um, but it's you know this is going to be one of the the most watched sporting or cricketing events um, uh, in recent times, and um, it's a huge opportunity as well for Oman to showcase uh, their country, uh, their cricketing infrastructure, their cricket culture. Um, uh, just a yeah, very positive development. A lot of credit needs to go to Pankaj Kimji uh, and and his team in Oman for for setting this all up. The Oman Cricket Academy ground is certainly the jewel in the crown of Oman cricket and will be the host of, as we said, Group B. Just to go through Oman's matches all at the Oman Cricket Academy ground in Al Amarat. Uh, PNG is the tournament opener, uh, 17th of October. Bangladesh on the 19th of October. And then they round out the group with a match against Scotland that could well determine who goes through out of Group B between themselves and, and Scotland, you would think, at least on paper. Oman 
for us on the outside, we have always discussed, I think inconsistency is probably the word that's described Oman the most out of, especially the time that we've been around at Emerging Cricket, but probably going back even further. Probably a little bit harsh considering, you know, it was... In 2016, they qualified for the T20 World Cup. Didn't progress out of the group, but it was ultimately a, a shock considering I think they were playing World Cricket League, the old World Cricket League, Division 5 at the time, which goes to show... It probably highlights that inconsistency, if anything. We come here and their record over the past two years in T20 international cricket isn't actually a winning one, but they managed to get it right just at the right time, Nish. They sort of did it the hard way in their qualification for this tournament. Yeah, they did, didn't they? They were cruising in the group stages. They won their first two games against UAE and Hong Kong comfortably, uh, then lost a tough one to Ireland uh, and had two two, uh, predictable victories against Canada and Nigeria. And then in a game, they were widely expected against Jersey uh, and one that would have given them uh, uh, an automatic berth into the semifinals of the tournament, uh, they came up short chasing 141 um, and then sort of imploded. You know, they, they, they came up against um, JJ Schmidt uh, from Namibia um, and found themselves facing Hong Kong for a must-win uh, uh, last place the World Cup and even there, you know, they were 42 for six um, and and really had to dig deep to, to get a, a, a you know 12 run victory uh, and snuck in in the end. So, yes, uh, inconsistency, um, you know, a seesawing qualifier. Um, but like they have on many occasions, they they they, they seem to come good when it matters. Uh, perhaps that's a uh, that's a sign of the experience that they that their players bring uh, a, lot, a lot of domestic experience in some of the full member countries, um, but uh, yeah, really snuck in. Just looking at at how and what Oman have done since, there's been as much progress off the field as there has been on the field. Not only getting the Oman Cricket Academy ground up to a point where they can host. A uh, number of people to actually watch the game as spectators, with the tickets only just opening up by by the ICC and the, and the ticket providers. But they have been making multiple moves. And Pankaj Kimji, a guest that we've had on the pod, and and if you haven't listened to that pod, make sure when you finish all of these team previews, you go back and listen to that because he's highlighted in just such depth just how much transformation Omani cricket has gone under or gone on as especially in the last five years. It's very much an infrastructural thing as it is an on-field thing for Oman. Would that be a fair statement, Nish? Yeah, absolutely. They, they're one of those teams that has uh, over time sought to build um, all of the key elements for a, a, a sustainable um, development and high-performance program. And really, as you said, um, you know, the Oman cricket uh, the OCC ground at Al Amrat is is the jewel in the crown, um, and uh, the Kimjis have have worked very hard to build uh, legitimacy and support within the royal family and the elites um, to get the kind of investment and and funding that is required to make these changes. And of course, they've also got got um, you know, um, uh, Dulip Mendes, who's been there now for for ten years, which in and of itself is a rarity to see a a high performance uh, coach and manager commit to an associate nation for that long. 
um, is is a sign that um, you know there's there's trust and and um, uh, and strong relationships all around. Um, the other thing that they've they've managed to do very well, like the UAE, is um, uh, is to ensure that uh, there's a steady um, inflow of of, of players. Um, uh, into the company teams and have worked very closely with those company teams to, to ensure do- strong domestic competition. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, again it's a really um, positive story all around, and you know, um, one hopes that they're able to showcase um, all of these elements to a degree during the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's been nice to see the way the facilities are sort of coming together over the last couple of um, Cricket World Cup League Two series that they've hosted, and you've seen the you know the scaffolding, and it's been slowly getting filled in and filled in as as the series have gone on. So that's been good. And and just thinking, you know, looking at Oman's positioning, you know, in the Gulf and and close to the UAE, um, I know international travel hasn't. Um, you know, come back as as much as it was before the pandemic, but their location is also an important um, part of it. In that, it, it's a it's a good way way stop for teams going between regions, and and so I think they'll be looking to sort of like the UAE does set up as as a as a place that um, you know maybe county teams might go for preseason tours, or um, you you stop off in Oman and and play a couple of. T20s or something as you're on your way to, to somewhere else and so I think just their positioning um, as, as a global airline hub is is also quite an uh, important part of the, the strategy there for them. Let's take a quick look at the squad now just running through uh, the names quickly, Akib Ilyas, Ayan Khan Bill Al Khan, Fires Butt, Jatinder Singh, Kali Mula Kawa Ali, uh, Kuram Nawaz, Muhammad Nadeem, Nazim Kushi, Nessa Damba, Sandeep Good, Sufyan Mahmood Suresh Kumar and Zishan Maksud leading the team. A couple of key points, and before I suppose we look into the key players and ones to watch, there have been a couple of additions to this team, Nish, uh, with players qualifying. Uh, Pradapati from India not quite qualifying for this T20 World Cup squad, but the likes of Ayan Khan and Nesta Dumba are a couple of new faces into this Omani outfit. Yeah, it's uh, it's largely a settled and recognisable side of, of uh, veterans who have been around for a while. Um, but three changes from the from the World Cup qualifiers you mentioned: Damba and Ayan Khan, and also uh, Sufyan Mahmood, who's um, actually came through the Oman um, junior system. He played under seventeen, he played under nineteen. So it's really good to see a a, a player of uh, that trajectory in the side as well. But um, uh, the rest of the team is um, is as expected. I mean, I'd be interested um, in particular to see how Ayan Khan fares. He played for Madhya Pradesh, uh, the Indian uh, Ranji side, in 2016. As recently as 2016, he's a left-arm orthodox spinner, um, can also bat. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting to see how he, 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 he goes. Looking at uh, the key players and Zishan Maksud has a number of options with the ball. I think with the bat, and we'll discuss this a little bit when we analyse the squad, the batting from, say, 5-7 to seven could use a little bit of work and there's a couple of questions there. But I think it's fair to say that with the ball, Bill Khan is the undoubted spearhead of this team. Topped the T20 World Cup qualifying wicket-taking charts, took 18 wickets, looked every bit of a, of a class operator. Talking to Pankaj... He's one of the hardest working players off the field. He's always in the gym, 
they 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 try and pull him out there while he's still trying to do sets. Um, very methodical in his approach to to how he wants to prepare himself for a game. Very meticulous in his approach as well. There are a couple of players to watch for this Omani team, but you would think if they were to get anywhere in this tournament, Nish Bilal Khan is is probably the guy for them. Yeah, they'll be looking to him to take early wickets. Uh, you know, quick left armer swings the ball, um, and uh, uh, you know he's a, he's a proven performer at the top. Uh, and you know, as, if we could name another another player here, um, it would be Jatinder Singh. Will open the batting and has been a, a kind of mainstay uh, in in Oman's batting for a long time now, and um, has scored runs at very crucial times. He scored 67 in that uh, must-win Hong Kong game, and averaged 38 uh, in the in the T20 World Cup qualifier. Only only behind, I think, Arad Erasmus and someone else, but he was Paul the Sterling. Paul Sterling. Paul Sterling. That's it. Yes. Um, so, you know, really th- these two um, carried the side in the qualifiers and they will, they will have to perform. Um, uh, uh, and in that context, you know, depth is going to be a problem against against good opposition. But perhaps we'll get to that in a, in a minute as well. Yeah, Jatinder Singh could easily make a case of being that key player as well and certainly the most explosive at the top of the order. Does the classic uh, Sheikha Darwin thigh five in celebration two in the field... So you won't be missing all of Sheikah Darwin at the T20 World Cup if you are an Indian fan with uh, <laughs> Darwin not making the, the squad for them. So look out for that, if, especially if you haven't really watched too much of Oman in the past. But I think another player to probably keep an eye out on is someone like Kala Ali, who has been picked more so for his batting and has batted in the top order. But emerging the qualifier is a real key asset in their spin threats and having the likes of a couple of these players coming into the side now Nesta Dumba being one of them as, as a spinner I don't think it takes away from Kawali's quality as a leg spinner and again to talk about the, the qualities that leg spin bring Kawali might be just as important with the ball for this Omani team as he will be with the bat opening at the top of the order niche yeah absolutely and in fact I was just looking this up um, just before we started and he's He's actually the second highest wicket taker in T20 internationals for Oman. So he is an absolute key cog in their bowling machine, Power Ali. And what's really interesting is uh, to me is that um, uh, Amir Kalim, who's uh, long been um, a key part of their bowling attack, another veteran spinner, has uh, is not in this squad. And their specialist spinners, Ayan Khan, Nesta Damba, are, are, are relatively inexperienced. So they're actually going to have to rely on Kawar Ali's bowling and Zishan Maksud's bowling more than they usually would. Um, so, you know, we def- definitely Kawar Ali will be, will be key with the ball. Yeah, I mean, players to watch, I think... Kali Muller's one to look out for. He's Bilal Khan's new ball partner. Right arm, huge. You know, I think he's almost um, <laughs> close, not too far off two metres tall. He's, he's, you know, giant fast bowler. And um, he actually, you know, he, he bowls in partnerships really effectively when Khan gets a lot m- sort of more of the, the spotlight. But um, Kali Muller keeps it tight and, and he can jam up batters at the other end, which is, is really helpful. And they're one of the best, probably the best um, fast bowling 
combinations in associate cricket um, at the moment. Um, and the other thing with Callie Muller is that he's he's because he's such a big man, he's able to swing through the line and, and hit some huge sixes down the order. And um, we might touch on this in, in a couple of minutes, but just their um, ability to accelerate at the back end is, is sort of a question mark. And so having Callie Muller down the order, he's really worked on his batting over the last couple of years. And just having a guy like that who can provide a bit of impetus is, is also going to be helpful. You teased it, Nick. We'll talk about it now. And one of the weaknesses of this Omani team, alongside their perceived inconsistency, which we have seen over the last few years, at times they've been rick-rolled and bowled out for scores in the 20s and sometimes have come out and won games. They've also <laughs> lost ACC Western regional matches to teams of Qatar's level, which... You know, for someone at a T20 World Cup, it's not something that happens too often. So the inconsistency is one part of their game that they really do want to kind of alleviate themselves of or, or rid themselves of. But to look at Oman's weaknesses, and I think something that stems from that or, or contributes to a lot of that is the lack of batting between, say, five and, and seven in the order. And, and you just mentioned it. If the likes of Jatinda Singh... Akibilias and Zishan Maksu don't make runs. There is an issue not only just to move things along in the middle overs, but to also kick and finish hard in the death overs. And it's been where a lot of other teams have made the most of their opportunities against Oman. So, Nish, perhaps looking to you, Oman have tried a number of players in these in these particular roles. The likes of Muhammad Nadeem, Sandip Goud, uh, even, even the likes of, of Ayan Khan might roll themselves into this role. What is the solution for this Omani team? Because once they do play against some of the stronger opposition, like they will when they play against Bangladesh, we could see trouble for them and and they might need to turn out runs in the back end of an innings with guys batting from, say, five to seven or even eight. Yeah, this is is, uh, a key challenge for them. And and more often than not, um, they're... Batters um, from five to seven or five to eight even um, are, are coming in after um, they've lost top order wickets as well. So they they don't they don't that often get get off to um, big uh, big starts that set a platform for big totals in in T20Is. Um, but if I were to 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 name someone or identify someone that perhaps could play that stabilizing role it would be Suraj Kumar is the is the wicketkeeper he's um he's he's scored um uh, a fluent 62 recently in the in the world cricket league game against PNG uh and um has has had a number of, of good starts um in that in those positions um and the other the other one to watch out for is Nassim Kushi. He's also a wicketkeeper. Um, has um, serious potential to accelerate at the end. Um, he scored um, 39 of 12 balls with four or five brutal sixes against Mumbai recently in a T20I. And also scored um, something like 30 of 10 balls in that in that Hong Kong game. So comes good in, in um, you know, challenging situations Often bats quite low, like nine or ten, uh, perhaps can be pushed up a bit. Um, and then it will be those names that you have, you have already talked about. Uh, you 
Sandeep Goods, you know, teams um, who, will, who will play stopgap roles, really. Is it also of concern looking at even the top order and, and the and the players who will comprise that top order outside of Jatinda, it could be made an argument against them that the strike rate probably isn't where it, it, it should be, especially in the power play overs as well? No, that's that's absolutely it's absolutely right. Um the so Kaur Ali, for example, who was opened on more than one occasion as a has a strike rate of under hundred. Uh, and Jatinder Singh himself, you know, is, is something like 115 um, across his T20I career. So that is definitely a challenge, um, especially if they're batting first and looking to put a total on the board. And when you're playing teams like Scotland, with the firepower that they have, you just you have to make use of the power play. So um, it is another ch- significant challenge for one. Um, is firepower at the top as well as as well as at the end. Yeah, and I guess another thing is just in terms of how much they shuffle their batting order around, you know, we've talked about Kawhi Ali who has opened the batting and he's coming down at sort of 9 or 10 recently in, in the uh, League 2 stuff and I think Maxud has opened or gone down in the middle order and like they, they, they shuffle their batting around quite a lot and it, it sort of shows an element of uncertainty and, and rather than having a settled order where they know everyone has their role, they, they're kind of still grasping for, for who does what at, at which point in the innings. And so that kind of um, question mark around what everyone is supposed to do in, in which point of the innings is going to be a question for. Um, it's going to be something they, they need to address, I think. Uh, yes, yeah. So the, so the template, and even in the, even in the T20 World Cup qualifier, um, when they won games, they often chased... They bowled sides out for small totals and relied um, a lot on their spinners to suffocate opposition and then chased those totals down um, uh, without really blowing away the opposition with the bat. Um, and the, the, the challenge I, I really that I see here in the, in the World Cup itself is um, that their spin attack is inexperienced. Um, and um, they're actually going to have to rely on Bilal Khan and Kalimullah even more than they generally would um, in order to get those early breakthroughs to bowl sides out um, cheaply. Uh, uh, not to mention the sides that they're playing, particularly Bangladesh and Scotland, are, are probably a, a cut above uh, pretty much everyone else in, in, in associate cricket, for sure. So... Um, they've they've got they've got issues here with the with the balance of their bowling attack and actually in the Mumbai games um, they played these three twenty T twenty eyes against Mumbai recently their quick bowlers bowled fifteen or more of um, the the twenty over allotment in each of the three games um, so they actually didn't rely on spinners very much at all which which is interesting given how they have won games in the past. It might be that they're trusting their, their fast bowling attack. It might be something to do with the wickets at Al-Amarat. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just quite an interesting... It'll be interesting to see how much they use their quick bowlers in the... We've teased it, and it would be unjust of us not to bring it up because it has been an issue of Oman. They are prone to an almighty collapse 
talking, you know, bowled out in the 20s, when they were bowled out for 24 by Scotland in Al Amarat in 2019, Nish, I think it was you that mentioned it in the notes. It was the fourth lowest list A total in, in history. It was a one-day game. There are a couple of questions of age and, and fitness around the group and maybe an over-reliance of one or two players. Can the home... can being the host team at this World Cup be of any use in terms of avoiding this? Because they've also fallen and been prone to a lot of this actually at home in Al Amarat or in similar conditions. Can they avoid a situation like that where they are just completely undone by a Bangladesh or a Scotland? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of an unanswerable question. It really depends on whether the pressure and the expectation of being hosts gets to them and you know and enables a, a collapse or whether they actually channel uh, those expectations and that spotlight uh, and rise to the occasion um, it's well <laughs> history would suggest that they've um, that they've been prone to to, to collapses in, in in crucial games um, and as as just mentioned, have collapsed at Al Emirat itself. So it's you know it's very hard to predict. The question of fitness shouldn't be an issue in the in the three first round games. You would think three twenty twenty games. Um, it might become an issue if they qualify for the for the second round and um, have a longer stint in the tournament. Quickly looking at the particular matchups, uh, playing PNG in the tournament opener, the curtain raiser for the entire thing. All eyes will be on Al Amarat and the Oman facility, and, and I think whoever kind of hits the ground running there will, will, will tend to do better. But if we do look at the matchups, and, and if we do perhaps agree that Oman would beat PNG in that opening game, and then quite likely losing to Bangladesh in the second game, it means that the Scotland match, their third game of the group, the winner of that match will likely progress to the next round of the tournament. So looking at that, how do you think they match up particularly against the Scots? Because you would think that that would be the the major hurdle in their campaign if they wanted to progress into the next round of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think the the stage is likely... Although it's very hard to predict uh, results in these tournaments, I, I, I agree. I think they'll probably edge out ENG on recent form anyway. Um, uh, but they have so so the stage will be set for this this game against Scotland. But they have a very poor record against Scotland. They've played three T20Is against them, lost all three. They played four ODIs, won only one. Um, so so that. To me, counts against them. Um, the, the 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 matchup to me is really about um, how Scotland's batsmen um, navigate Oman's bowlers and how Oman's bowlers navigate Scotland's batsmen. I, I think you know those are the those are the two strengths. Um, I mean, Scotland a very all-round side, but if Oman's bowlers can can um, get on top of Scotland, all amount for a, a small total. Um, then I'd say Oman have a, have a good chance, but you know, a big Scotland total, um, and I, it's very difficult. I, I don't see Oman chasing, so I, I would I would say um, Scotland probably have 
have the, the wood on Oman and um, yeah, Oman will finish third or, or fourth potentially. Well, now it's time for you to put your money where your mouth is, Nish. And Nick as well, looking at this group, as we mentioned, Bangladesh, Scotland, PNG and Oman make up Group B. And if you have heard or listened to any of the other team previews that we've put out thus far, Group B, at least in our, our minds, is on paper a little bit weaker potentially. Weak is probably too strong of a word, but... I think there is a slight imbalance between the two groups. But if we were to look at these groups, I'm probably going to be with you here, Nish, and say that they'll lose to Scotland and miss out and probably finish third. Nick, looking at you, what what have you made out? Um, what, what, what do you make of Oman from a prediction standpoint? Do you think that they have enough to kind of get through? Yeah, I mean, I agree that um, on paper, Scotland are probably the stronger T20 side. Oman are a, a, just a bit old-fashioned in the way they play cricket, um, and that's not a knock on them. They're, they're a very good 50-over side. But, um, yeah, I reckon just having the home ground advantage and, and being able to um, you know, prepare so much more effectively rather than having to you know spend time in quarantine and in and out of bubbles and all, all that sort of stuff, I think, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just provide a bit of variety here and tip... Uh, tip Oman to upset Scotland. Uh, I think I can easily see their spin flotilla there choking them in, in the middle orders, middle overs. And, um, you know, Bill Alcan picks up an early wicket or two and, and then, yeah, I don't know, the Scottish seam bowling attack just hasn't looked very threatening over the last little while. So that's probably not as much of a concern for, um, for the Omanis. And they're also quite good at playing spin. So... Yeah, it, it'll be a question of, of how much Scotland could get on the board and, and I'll just tip Oman to, to keep them down to a manageable score. I like it. Uh, boys, thanks for, for jumping on and, and running through another first-round member at the T20 World Cup. We'll have all the previews of all the teams ready for you around wherever you are listening around the place. But once again, thanks, guys. Uh, good to get your insight, Nish. And Nick, in regards to all things... Oman uh, for the T20 World Cup, looking forward to it. And as mentioned before, they will play the curtain raise of the first match of the tournament on October 17 against Papua New Guinea. So thanks again, boys, and uh, looking forward to the tournament. Thanks, guys. Great to chat as always, Bez.